for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon, Governor Kim Reynolds momentarily, Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa, she's the CEO, she'll join us uh, for her weekly spot as we get through this, coming up at the bottom of the hour or thereabouts, we'll recap Restaurant Radio. Haven't even talked about the last dance airing <laughs> no. Sunday night. Certainly looking forward. It's going to be a great weekend. Draft tonight, draft tomorrow, and last dance uh, parts three and four on Sunday night, getting underway at eight o'clock, which will be appointment television uh, for most folks. So that's the show. We will. Uh, I'm going to get you to go on record with your okay. bear. Get one of the two right. One of the two right. That's all I'm going to ask you. Get one. Even if I'll give you a half a point if you get the position. All right. Um, Let's see if I can get a half point. Yeah, just you got to pick up some points, right? I uh, did. Fu- you, I was going to say, did you bet the draft? I last did. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. it's still, I, I have a couple of dollars hanging out in those offshores, so mm-hmm. played around with that. Lost a little money. That was fun. What did you bet? Oh boy, a couple of different things. Number of wide receivers. Um, number of quarterbacks. Jordan Love hurt me there. Oh, okay. Got beat on that one. Um, couple of, took a couple of shots on just guys kind of in that mid, in the teen range and didn't hit any of those. Just kind of taking wild swings. I found this offshore for tonight. Next defensive end selected. Gross Matos. He is even. Okay. AJ Epines is two to one. At two to one, isn't yeah, it worth a shot? I, I, I'm with you. I'd throw five bucks on that. There, why not? Yeah, I have a little interest in AJ. It'll be good to see. And if it happens that he's the first guy taken, thought that was good. How about this? Next quarterback selected. Well, we'll get to that at the end of the program as we get ready for the governor's press conference. Yes, Channel 13 has come on. The governor's at the podium. Here's Kim Reynolds. Again, a little bit different format that we've been using, but we have uh, today 521 new positive cases for a total of 4,445 positive cases. We had 2,190 new negative cases for a total of 29,783. So yesterday we ran a total of 2,712 tests, which is significantly higher than what we've been running through uh, uh, the testing process. We also have tested a total of 31,973 Iowans, and on a per capita basis, that means one in 98 Iowans have been tested. So we really have significantly um, upped our ability to test Iowans, which I believe is, a, is positive. Uh, the increase in positive cases today is related to testing that's occurring among essential workers. Again, 30% of Iowa's positive cases are related to manufacturing and 15% is related to healthcare workers. 1,604 Iowans were di- that were diagnosed with COVID-19 have recovered for a recovery rate of 36%. Today, I am really um, sad to report that we have had 11 additional deaths in the state of Iowa for a total of 107 Iowans who have sadly lost their lives to this horrible virus. Today's deaths, many of them are again among residents of long-term care facilities and of course um, individuals with pre-existing health conditions. 
Across all of our RMCC regions yesterday, there were 278 COVID-19 patients hospitalized, 44 were admitted in the last 24 hours, 104 patients are being treated in ICUs, and 60 patients are on ventilators. So also uh, in hospitals across the state, there are 3,896 inpatient beds, 534 ICU beds, and 682 ventilators that are available for patient care. The Department of Public Health has also confirmed that we have had one additional long-term care uh, facility outbreak, and that is in Mitchell Village Care Center in Polk County for a total of 13 long-term care uh, facility outbreaks. Over the last two days, the Department of uh, Public Health has deployed our long-term care strike team to conduct surveillance, surveillance testing at, uh, of long-term care staff members in Tama County. And this proactive strat uh, strategy is intended to learn more about increased virus activity in the area, identify and isolate long-term care workers who may test positive, and prevent, of course, of prevent induce, uh, introducing the virus into their facilities. In total, over the last two days, they were able to test 315 long-term care staff. Uh, they did both diagnostic and uh, serology testing uh, were offered. That today, I also want to make, um, so they were able to do both. It wasn't a mandate, but they did the swab testing, and then if they wanted to, they were also able to take, uh, do the serology test as well, which is a test that detects whether you've had the virus recovered and you have antibodies within your system. Today, I also want to make a personal ask of Iowa nurses, nurses. If you are willing and able to volunteer as part of Iowa's response to COVID-19, we need you. As healthcare workers have become sick, nurses are in even higher demand, especially in our long-term care facilities, and especially as we're doing more surveillance testing and really un identifying who is tested positive, uh, we're going to need your help. So volunteer opportunities are available through iServe, and that's an online register for individuals wishing to volunteer in the event of a large-scale disaster or a public health emergency. Here to speak more about the iServe um, and her experience as a volunteer nurse is Lisa Stewart. Lisa? Thank you, Governor Reynolds. My name is Lisa Stewart. I'm a registered nurse here in the state of Iowa for the last 30 years. I've been a member of the iSERV team probably since prior to 2005. Um, what the iSERV stands for is Iowa Statewide Emergency Registry for Volunteers. Um, like Governor Reynolds said, this is an online registry. It sends you alerts um, for volunteers to help with disasters or public health emergencies. Um, as she also said, primarily at this time we are in need for nurses. Um, there's also a continued uh, need for physicians, advanced providers, EMS, pharmacists, respiratories, and any other healthcare professional. However, if any of you uh, would like to volunteer, don't hesitate to get onto this website and sign up. This could be chaplains, uh, language interpreters, hearing impaired interpreters, clerical workers, those are just to name a few. Um, if you'd like to get registered, please go to iaserv.org. This way, once you are registered, the Iowa Department of Public Health can determine how many volunteers are available to meet the needs to fill specific roles during the public emergencies or large-scale disasters and even non-emergent events. 
I just want to mention a couple deployments I've been on and how fulfilling those experiences have been. I've been I was deployed for two weeks to uh, Hurricane Katrina. I was deployed to Cedar Rapids in 2008 for the floods, and I've served and assisted with several non-emergent events that the Department of Public Health has uh, provided services for. All of these deployments were very important to the people of those communities that we responded to. Both On both of the deployments, our teams were put into situations to care for persons that did not have a support system and were unable to care for themselves. Some of the tasks that we did as nurses and medical professionals, uh, we set up a field hospital, we staffed a field hospital, we passed meds, we did daily cares, we did documentation, IVs, and we did a lot of just listening to the patients. This gave me a chance to give back to the community and to help make a small part of the world a better place for those few people that needed the help. Right now, I think this is a time we as nurses need to support our colleagues and that may need assistance in anything at this time. Currently, the ICER teams have, are support staffing for long-term care facilities, and they're also assisting with COVID testing at several locations through Iowa. I can't stress enough how important this is. Um, again, the website is iowaiaserv.org. And just a reminder, for all those who have signed up for iServe before, please go online and check all your information because some of it is not updated, and this would sure help for you guys to get the communication to help out in this um, plan. Thank you, Governor Reynolds. Oh, well, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for making a difference in the lives of so many uh, people. And I just want to say a heartfelt thanks for helping us uh, spread the word about this opportunity. It is so important and it's so needed at this time. So thank you for sharing your, ex your experiences and thanks for volunteering. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. So on March 8th, when I announced that uh, COVID-19 was confirmed in Iowa, we started down a path not knowing exactly where it would lead. But we understood the significance of this time and the importance of doing whatever necessary to protect the health of Iowans, especially our most vulnerable. We immediately declared a statewide public health emergency declaration and response that from the start included diagnostic testing, contact tracing, all in a means to better understand the level of virus activity Activity and how best to mitigate and slow the spread. This time has required me to make some of the toughest decisions that I've ever made as the governor of this great state, but they were necessary and they were all made in the best interest of our collective health. And it required every Iowan to do their part as well, whether that meant staying home as much as possible, limiting your uh, trips to essential trips only, working from home, practicing careful hygiene and social distancing, and isolating when sick. And guess what? Iowans responded. I know it hasn't been easy, but it has made a difference. So thank you for doing the right thing for your health and for the health of others. At the time, these bold mitigation strategies were necessary to do as much as possible, as you've heard, to slow the spread of the virus, protect our most vulnerable, uh, preserve critical resources, understand what a surge might look like, and really prevent overwhelming our health care system. We needed time to 
to track and understand the virus and its potential impact so that we could respond with precision and force. And we've done just that. With the leadership of the Department of Public Health and in partnership with my team, state agencies, the Iowa National Guard, local public health, the RMCCs, hospitals, clinics, and the private sector. This pandemic required a one-team approach, and I am so grateful for the willingness of everyone to work together to serve all Iowans. The work we've done in Iowa is significantly has the work we've done in Iowa to significantly increase diagnostic testing, conduct serology testing to con, uh, detect COVID-19 antibodies, deploy strike teams for targeted surveillance, expand contact tracing, and supplement the PPP PPE um, uh, supply chain, the personal protective equipment, ensures that we have a strong public health infrastructure that we need to continue. Uh, managing the pandemic while beginning to um, our economic recovery. While there are some areas uh, in our state where virus activity is still high, we have many more areas where it's manageable or even minimal. And this presents an opportunity to start to open Iowa back up in a phased and a responsible manner. Today, I'm announcing that effective Monday, Iowa health systems, health care providers may begin the process of resuming elective surgeries and procedures through a phased-in approach. Fortunately, Iowa has not experienced the health care surge other states have. And as you've seen daily through the RMCC reports, our ICU beds, vents are well managed and in good supply. The coordination and the collaboration between providers, systems, and the state gives us the confidence that we can effectively care for COVID-19 patients while also providing procedures to improve health and quality of life for others. On Monday, each hospital, outpatient surgery center, or clinic that determines they can safely do so may begin. They may begin rescheduling patients and resume surgeries and procedures according to their own schedules. In addition, uh, the proclamation that I'll be signing today permits farmers markets to begin limited operations with appropriate public health precautions and provides additional relief to Iowans that are affected by this disaster. So this is our first step of many to reopening Iowa and getting life and business back to normal as soon as possible. On Monday, I will be making additional announcements regarding the first phase of, our, of reopening Iowa. And so until then, I, wanna, I want to uh, thank every Iowan for making our comeback uh, possible. Today, we're taking the first steps to get life and business back to normal. But as I mentioned yesterday, it's a kind of a new normal uh, that we're heading into. And so we're going to continue to ask you to, you know, to do your part. And if we remain committed to working together and doing the right thing, uh, I believe that we will start and be able to responsibly open Iowa back up. And I really do look forward to sharing with you on Monday the details of what that looks like. And again, it will be done in a responsible and safe manner. Uh, but we are at a place where it's time we're to start having uh, to start having that discussion. So, thank you. With that, I'll open it up for questions. Governor. A week from today, uh, the current schedule is for the legislature to resume. Yeah. What has been your advice to lawmakers about reconvening inside the now closed Capitol building? Yeah. And what will be your budget requests of them? So we're still working on that, and we'll be getting that to them next week, our revised budget. Um, the legislative 
Council, I think, is meeting next week. So we've had conversation with legislative leaders and what that looks like. And we'll still be phasing in, uh, uh, you know, reopening Iowa. And so we'll be doing that in coordination with them and talking about a timeline and what that looks like. So, okay, we're just in the kind of the initial discussions of what that looks like. But after my announcement on Monday and kind of what we're looking at going forward, um, and we'll be monitoring and, and, and watching to see how uh, the phased-in approach is working, that they, I think they'll probably have more information in regards to that next week. Governor, how do you plan to deal with the farmer's market crowds? What, what's going to be the plan? Well, that's taken into account. So again, it's outside. So we are asking them to practice social distancing and the limitations will be listed. So you can find the details in the in the proclamation. But we're, we're uh, limiting, I think, the type of things that they can sell. We're really tying it to food. We want to continue to make that accessible to Iowans, especially during this difficult time. But they need to set and apply the six feet social distancing requirements, uh, not have people gathering around their um, stand when they're selling their product and so just continuing to be responsible and there are some guidelines that are laid out in the declaration. And why was that on the list of things you wanted well, to Well, we've been actually been asked, they've been asking about it for quite some time and it's just we hadn't had a chance to really work through some of the details. We wanted to work in collaboration with the Department of Public Health and IDELS and really again work with, um, you know, farmers across the state that had um, produce and products that they wanted to sell and we wanted to continue to make that uh, fresh produce available um, to to Iowans across the state. And so we believe that this is a way that we can do that in a responsible and reasonable manner. I have confidence in, in Iowans to do that. And so we're going to move forward with that. So that was part of the reason. We've been talking about it for a while. And because we were able to do the declaration with the elective surgeries, so we were able to, to add that back in to this as well. Governor, as uh, you start reopening the state, I was just wondering where we're at in terms of the peak? Um, you know, have we already hit it? Are we able to kind of determine when that's going to be happening? Um, and how does that play into um, your decision making with reopening different parts of the state? Do you want to talk about peak? Okay. So I think that we are going, we fully anticipate that um, we're going to see a peak here in the next two to three weeks as we really start to do some of the surveillance testing that we've been doing. Um, when Test Iowa sites start to open up and we're testing more Iowans than we ever have before. And so I think that we should um, fully anticipate that our case counts, you know, we had a large jump today and we did a large volume of cases today. And I think we're going to continue to see that um, as more of these surveillance testing sites go up and as test as people start to get access to test Iowa. So I think that what we can expect is we are going to see our case counts continue to increase and the peak is really going to occur when our case counts start coming back down, right? That's the definition of a peak. And so I think as, as we get more access to testing and more people have the opportunity to go through that process, um, I think we'll see that happen here over the next two to three weeks. It appears that the rating system shows that Northeast Iowa's uh, 10 has yep. been reduced to a 9. Yeah. Why is that? Well, so again, as we test more, and like I said today, the hospitalization numbers actually stayed the same, even though we had significant new emissions. We also had significant um, 
discharges, yes, um, in addition to that. So that's remained uh, fairly constant. So the more that we're testing, the denominator, the denominator continues to grow. That impacts some of the criteria that they're looking at. So we won't make any changes because next week I'm going to be announcing and April 30th is when the bulk of the uh, declarations uh, expire. And so we're just going to roll into next week and we'll really be tying that in, Kay, to the announcement that we'll be making on Monday. Um, are, are there any worries? Um, I know some medical associations have said, um, you know, they they have been reusing some of their protective masks, things like that. Um, if we start allowing uh, elective surgeries to happen again, are, are you worried at all about the, the supply that um, Iowa nurses and doctors will have access to? Yeah, so we included that in the declaration, and this is an option for hospitals across the state and clinics and outpatient uh, procedures. So they surgeries and procedures are permitted for inpatient surgeries. Uh, if de further delay will pose a significant risk to the quality of life, any outpatient surgeries and procedures are permitted. Some of the requirements and guidelines is that the hospital or the provider must have adequate inventories of PPE. They must have access to a reliable supply chain without relying on state, state stockpiles, and they must have a plan in place to conserve PPE. Hospitals must continue to accept and treat COVID-19 patients and must not transfer uh, COVID-19 patients to create capacity for elective procedures. And they must, the hospitals still must reserve 30% of the ICU beds and 30% of the medical and surgical beds for COVID-19. So we still want to, as we're managing and we're starting to open up and we're looking at, you know, where some of the potential hotspots might be, we want to make sure that we still have sufficient uh, PPE. They, they we're asking them to, to uh, procure their own if they're going to move into this. We have seen the supply chain start to open up. Even our mission trips to that the Guard is running on a daily basis to our facilities, they're down somewhat from where they were uh, a week ago. But um, So all of those things are taken into account if they, um, for, that they have to abide by if they're going to um, be able to offer um, out, uh, selective surgeries. We're going to go to Monica, Channel 13. Channel 13, go ahead. All right, we're going to go to Aaron Murphy, Lee News. Thank you, Governor. Can can you address, so um, you're announcing, uh, well, first, actually, um, uh, just a quick detail question. Um, these, the, the medical the elective surgeries at yeah. the farmers market is that is that a regional reopening or is that a statewide order and then um can you address the have, starting out this process of reopening at the state at a time when uh specifically on a day when we're having uh the highest numbers of both cases which i i understand are partially tied to more testing yeah. but also we had the most recorded um deaths today um can you talk about the, yeah. uh, talking about reopening as at the state at a time when those numbers are at their highest yeah so it is a statewide on the farmer's market and on the um elective procedures so that is a statewide order so you know the more that we're a lot we're able to test the more that we're able to do the contact tracing, the more that we're able to do the sur surveillance testing, as well as the serology testing, all of those components uh, will allow us, and, and, and the assessment piece that we're able now 
to utilize with Iowans all across the state. It really will allow us to um, target our responses and really identify where some of the clusters and the hotspots are. We have actively been going into areas that we know are, because of their kind of mass gatherings or the close proximity of the workforce. So as as we're testing more, we're testing in hotspots so that we can identify, isolate, and start to really make sure that we're protecting the health and well-being of the workforce. And this is key for us to be able to do that. But it also allows us, we had this capability before, but it even gives us additional information and data to um, really comprehensively um, monitor the cases uh, through through the test Iowa and so we're able to look at it not only from a statewide perspective but we can look at it from a regional perspective we can look at it on a county by county perspective right down to a community and a zip code so all of that allows us to be very targeted in how we respond it allows us to start to open up other areas where there are no cases or very few cases and haven't been and even in a lot of the counties that have had minimal cases they've already had several of them recover and so you have to take that into account as well as their hospitalization rates. We can track that. So there's a lot of different variables uh, that we'll be looking at and we'll take a very targeted approach. So you're probably, you're not going to see a statewide release on some of these um, uh, areas that we're going to be opening up. They will be somewhat targeted and we'll give you more uh, information on that on, on Monday. And we're going to continue to monitor this because of the way that we can monitor it in a comprehensive manner. We can start start to open things up very responsibly and on a limited basis and then we can monitor if we see any issues from that which would allow us maybe to get in there and identify where that hot spot might be do some additional communication or maybe take additional actions if we have to but again it allows us to do it in a very responsible and measured manner channel five go ahead Good morning, Governor. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I have two today. What is the current stockpile of the state's PPE and is the PPE shortage order still in effect? And also, if there are people not abiding by social distancing at farmers markets, can they be ticketed? I'll answer that in a second. You want to take the PPE? No. Yeah, so as the governor mentioned, the PPE shortage order is still in effect at this particular point in time. And as it relates to um, the, uh, the allowance of elective surgeries, as she indicated, um, there are certain prere prerequisites that the hospitals and the health systems are going to have to be able to meet to be able to do those elective surgeries. So um, that includes, you know, being able to um, procure their own su supply um, for those. So the shortage order does, uh, is still in effect, but it's in effect um, um, in conjunction with the, the proclamation. I was verifying over here with my team. Um, as far as the farmers markets, they need to practice uh, social distancing, but as you've heard from law enforcement, they're, they're there to educate and help them disperse and help them make sure that they're following through. Uh, ticketing would be a last resort, and I believe in Iowans and their ability to be responsible, and so, you know, I, I don't anticipate any problems. All right, we're going to go back to Monica. Monica, go ahead. All right, that was uh, Governor Kim Reynolds in her press conference. A little bit of news here today, uh, and more perhaps on Monday, as she alluded to. We will take a time out. We're going to come back. We'll talk to uh, the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa. Michelle Book will join us. We'll recap what we did early in the week with Restaurant Radio, and then 
get Trent on record as to what the Bears are going to do tonight. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station. Before we do that, Trent, thank you for catching me. Uh, KXNO and iHeartRadio want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword HOPE to 200. 200 right now is your chance to win $1,000. HOPE to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Miller and Condon uh, back after these on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO 106- Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX, and with you until noon. We'll get back into the draft here in a few minutes, but right now, uh, Michelle Book is the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa. She will get a weekly spot as long as the Food Bank of Iowa needs it, and she's back with us today. Uh, Michelle Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, Dylan, who is Trenton, my colleague from your office, sent along some, some eye-opening statistics in advance of you coming on today. Eye-opening in a way of, boy, the need is even greater than we thought, but also some of the stuff that's in there, just the, 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 the support uh, of Iowans. I mean, here's what stuck out to me. Volunteers have donated 4,619 of their hours. Uh, let's start with that positive before we get into some of the other statistics. Uh, the community's really stepped up, Michelle. It is absolutely extraordinary. During the first couple of days after the economic shutdown was announced, Food Bank of Iowa saw volunteers absolutely evaporate. Um, all the large companies that sent their their employee teams here to, to uh, team build and volunteer at the same time no longer felt safe doing that. Um, we immediately put um, safety measures and more safety and sanitary protocol in place. We set out a call for volunteers into this community, and it has been amazing how this community has responded to our request for help. Um, our system crashed two weeks ago um, trying to um, sign up um, more mm. volunteers. So people are out there, they want to help, and people are coming to me thanking me <laughs> for Food Bank of Iowa giving them a chance to give back and contribute during this very challenging time. Oh, I'd love to it's see heartwarming. that. It's yeah, heartwarming. You know, Michelle, and, and the other thing is there's still opportunities, I'm sure, for people that want to volunteer, that still want to help out. You guys are always accepting the volunteers. You know, my grandma, she volunteers in the food bank back home, but at 82 years old, she's not doing that right now. You guys are still looking, I'm sure, for volunteers to help, though. We are actively recruiting volunteers to come to the Food Bank of Iowa to help pack emergency food boxes. We are asking for volunteers to donate uh, new or gently used T-shirts. We're also asking for volunteers to help break those T-shirts down into food bags so we don't have to spend money on boxes or bags to distribute food. We are also asking volunteers to like our Facebook page and to share our communications, and that's something really easy you can do from your couch. Uh, Since March the 13th, in the same period from last year to now, you guys have uh, seen a need for almost 250,000 additional pounds of food. That's remarkable, but maybe not surprising. Yeah, what's interesting about that is that we have had a dramatic increase in the need and in distribution at the very same time when 
our donations from traditional retail partners have decreased. So Food Bank of Iowa, a big part of what we do is rescue food, keep food out of landfills. Um, It's still perfectly edible. Um, Get it back into the system and and help folks that need a little food assistance. Well, right now, our retail partners don't have food that they are donating to us. So in addition to the increase in the number of pounds that we've been distributing, we've also had to make up the difference of what retail normally would have provided Mm -hmm. to us. So we've seen a 15% decrease in our retail food donations uh, meanwhile, we've had to increase our um, distribution without that kind of help. Talking right now with Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa. Michelle, as you look at it, of course, uh, always think about the students that are out there. I know there are school programs at some school districts that are trying to help out, but what you guys are doing for the youngsters out there and helping them in this time of need? Well, I will, I will tell you that most of our school pantries across our geography Um, Their doors are open, and they're serving their school families, and they're serving the community. So um, check with your own school Facebook page to see what they're doing. Uh, Des Moines Public Schools um, is serving grab-and-go lunch and breakfast at about 50 sites right now. Their school pantries are not open, but they're serving grab-and-go lunch. Um, And then we're just plugging in where we can with area pantries, I'll tell you a big, big, big resource stepped up. Jody Warth with Boys and Girls Club Mm. is opening up the Burt Club um, next week um, to help in a very big way. So big thanks um, go out to Jody Warth and uh, the folks at the Burt Club uh, with Boys and Girls Club. What's the biggest need right now at the Food Bank of Iowa? And maybe that's not, maybe there's a couple that's the biggest need. You talked about all the extra food and the donations being down. Uh, so is it is it volunteers? Uh, is it for those folks who are able to, to make a monetary contribution? What's your biggest need, Michelle? Right now, I feel like our biggest need is getting the word out. If you need help, please ask for help. We're getting many people right now, um, 22 million Americans unemployed, Um, huge number of people unemployed in Iowa. You're burning through your savings. You're burning through your last paycheck. You're burning through your stimulus. um, And summer is is coming. Mm -hmm. We see that we're going to have a long, hard summer and fall. Um, If you're in that position, please go to our website, foodbankiowa.org, click the Get Help button, and find a way to get help um, close and easy for you. Of course, we need volunteers, and we need funding to make all this work. Michelle, we will uh, speak with you next week. Food Bank of Iowa. What's the website, Michelle? Foodbankiowa.org. Foodbankiowa.org. Michelle, uh, appreciate you coming on. We will talk to you next week, okay? Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing at the Food Bank of Iowa, feeding Iowans uh, in this time of need. We'll take our final break of the week. Trent Condon, come back, finish out the program. Yeah, a little recap of the restaurants we talked to this week and get some lunch and dinner ideas for the weekend people thinking about carry out and you're gonna put me on the spot huh we're gonna have some fun with the nfl draft well here. your bears get to play tonight they didn't last Finally. night it was it was still fun it's sure but it's different when it's your team did it, you think that there was a chance that they'd move into no, i didn't really either didn't. no i didn't think no. they would either i mean pace is on ryan pace the gm he is this is a make or break year for mm-hmm. him i know there's some people out there that don't believe that i do if they limp to a six and ten, seven and nine no, year, I think he's gone. A, yeah, well, they took Mitch Trubisky yeah, and moved up to take him for yes. for no apparent reason. Right. You know, we had Jeff Hughes on earlier, um, and and he said if they take a quarterback tonight in the second or third round, 
that he doesn't think Trubisky makes it through the weekend. Do you see it that way? <sighs> Probably, yeah, because there's not a spot for him. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing. If you're going to take a, if you're going to use a second or a third round pick after you gave up your fourth to bring in Nick Foles and his contract, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I agree with this point. And the other thing is, they don't have a third rounder. They don't have a fourth rounder. It is right. the two in the second round, and then they do, they sit out until. So so maybe use the early second round and move down. Move down, get a second rounder and maybe a fourth to go along with it. A late second round as opposed stay in the second if you can right. and grab a fourth. Maybe add to it that way. I think it makes sense. They need help. It's a good roster. It's still Well, they got help last night when Green Bay took a quarterback. <laughs> we don't need anybody for this year. We're good. Yeah. And on one hand, I get the pick. On the other hand, boy, Aaron Rodgers cannot be happy. Not at all. We will take a timeout, our final one of the week. We'll do a recap restaurant radio. Put Trent on the spot. We're here until just before noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106. Thank you for supporting Food Bank of Iowa. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, final segment of the week. Murph and Andy coming up at 2. The Fanatics uh, at 4 o'clock. And then the does the week end or does the week start? I guess if we asked uh, Sean and Emery if the week ends or starts at, at uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, they would say it ends. It ends. That's the way that I would put it. I mean... Monday's the beginning of right, the week. Right, because Sunday's an off day as far as local programming. Right, yeah. So that's the way that I would look at I'm it. I'm with you. I think so, too. But uh, So the uh, the fellows will be on tomorrow, the, the KX and uh, Saturday morning pregame at 8 o'clock. Restaurant radio happened, Trent, twice uh, this, week as, uh, this, pa- this week, as it always does. We'll do it again next week. We are currently lining up restaurants. If you'd like to be a part of it, there's no charge. There is no catch. I know your parents told you this. If Something sounds too good to be true. It's probably too good to be true. And 99.9% of the time, that's accurate. Not here. There's no charge. There's no catch. It's an infomercial. We provide it for you. Well, NCMIC makes it possible. Trent and I have about 10 restaurants on every Tuesday, every Thursday. Tell us your story in two or three minutes, what you're doing. We move on to the next. But we started this week with went heavy into Valley Junction. Cooper's on 5th in the Winchester Pub uh, in, uh, in Valley Junction. I love a long wood bar. Mm-hmm. Boy, that boy, Winchester Pub uh, certainly has one of those. Yeah, Cooper is always one of my favorites, and it's one of those spots. That, as I told Ryan as we were talking with him, I go in and I always say, I live in West Des Moines, and I say, boy, why don't we come here more often? Because mm-hmm. it is a great meal every single time. Cooper's is on the menu. We're, uh, we're making our compiling our list at home. Places we want to get takeout from. Oh, yeah, from. good, good. I put Cooper's on there on Tuesday right after talking to Ryan. Uh, we didn't have Boulder Tap House. We were scheduled to, so we'll mm-hmm. give them a shout-out in Ames Boulder Tap House uh, in Ames. And Heavenly Asian Cuisine. That was an interesting one. They're closed. Yeah. and uh, But when they get back up and running, just thinking about them, thinking about Authentic Asian. No, right. no, no egg rolls. rolls. That's what we learned right. from Jake, who helped us out. But... Think of that one when we reopen the restaurants again full-time, Heavenly Asian Cuisine, also in Valley Junction. Absolutely. Uh, Tamiya and Sons, uh, so my friend Leon Emmons, mm-hmm. Mr. Executive, Yes. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, who did we have on? 
Um, oh, our uh, Brian Downs. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, front row. Front row at steak night. And, and Leon said, oh, because of that, he went over. He had one. It was terrific. He listened to our segment on Tuesday, and he went out that day and picked up uh, to go from Tomeyan Sons and just absolutely loved it. So we're uh, glad to have them on. And once they get the steak gets open and this behind us, bocce ball. I'm going to throttle you in bocce ball. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I was pretty sharp. good. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sharp. All right. There it is. Hey, if we, we got an idea that we'll have, so we'll have a contest. <laughs> I'd have to leave the house. We're going to play it at my place? <laughs> that makes you a little nervous. I still know. Um, uh, old Chicago was on. They have places in Ames and in Ankeny. It was good to uh, talk to Larry. Stromboli was uh, very high on both of our lists. Yes, absolutely. Love what they do at Old Chicago. Told you my draft story from Old Chicago. Yeah. Didn't get to like laugh at the Vikings last night. They had a good draft uh, last night as opposed to when I was watching at Old Chicago. Don't Isn't Old Chicago the place that has the tour the world of yes, beer, right? absolutely. Mark Freund. He's toured the world many ah, times. A friend, friend from WHO. Yes. I've never met him. Have you met him? Yeah, good guy. He does a nice job. Yeah. Uh, Dinner Dispatch, that's one of yours. I, we went on the website, Trent. I was blown away by the yes. meals. I mean, and really good. You want to you want to cook, but you're... Uh, All the preparation done for you. Everything's chopped up. Yes. Throw it in the pan, and you're good to go. Dinner Dispatch, a meal delivery prep business there with Jennifer. Give them a look. Ruby Tuesday, an old favorite. One of those yep. chains that are out go there. Go-tos, but- yep. The burgers, and, and how about the, what was it, $5 burgers that they have? I think it was Mondays. It was one night, yeah. yeah Manny was on with us. Manny is uh, from, uh, from uh, came to us from North Dakota, right? Yeah, that was Did his last Did you say Bismarck, stop. North Dakota? I think yeah. that was his last stop. Better winners here. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to North Dakota. And then uh, Fridley Theaters, there's 16 of them. They're doing that popcorn. They mm-hmm. have Facebook page. Uh, Russell there, Fridley Theaters. As we open this up to small businesses as well as they are struggling through this. And then we moved into Thursday had a really fun conversation with a Cleveland Browns fan of all yes. things. You know who I found this out. So Brooke was with us. Brooke's father, Larry Ireland, coached basketball, I think, in Ankeny for years. I was going to say the name sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure, yeah. That uh, uh, Apparently, um, as my sister-in-law and Brooke and I didn't know this, Went to school together. Oh, really? Apparently yeah. so. So Wigan Penn in Ankeny, also in Iowa City, but uh, the one in Ankeny is just terrific pizza. Yeah, that it is. They can do it a variety of different ways from the deep dish to the thin crust and everything in between. They do an incredible job. An institution in Iowa City. Brooke yeah. went to the University of Iowa yep. and then brought it back here to central Iowa. And thank you to Brooke for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Browns fans, you can tell us that story one day. Catch Des Moines joined just to uh, Brock Conrad, our a buddy over there. And we talked, we said to Brock, you know, write those commercials for the farmers markets. As Trent and I last mm-hmm. year, we promised two years of our uh, charity commercial block that we will devote to the smaller farmers markets right i mean look everybody goes downtown on saturday morning right. thursday night the valley junction does one does it very well but are you aware that there's one in bondurant in indianola beaverdale. and grimes and beaverdale and ankeny most people aren't so mm-hmm. those are the ones we want to uh spotlight and we will do so as we heard from the governor today that the farmers markets are coming back the library cafe down in the drake neighborhood they've been there for a number of years another place that talked about charles talked about their burgers how good they are there Never been there. Yet I don't. I don't hang out in the Drake neighborhood very often. Mm-hmm. That's one that uh, definitely got to add to the list. Good to talk to Charles. And they have the poutine. There you go. Poutine. You're still waiting for your first time as a Canadian. It's crazy. Isn't you got to get that done. Yeah, fries and gravy were a thing when I was a kid, but I not with the cheese curds. Not with the cheese curds. Now gone. I've been gone 31 years. That's true. So maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, Roca restaurant on Court Avenue. 
Roca. That's what that. You know what? I had you, no idea. Really? You never knew Rest, that's what I it, didn't put Roca restaurant on court. Avenue. I had no idea. The smoke cocktails are incredible. Yep. And when they open up, my buddy Tyler, who I golfed against and hung out with a lot at UNI, he's a part of the ownership group there. Oh, nice. And you know, he told me about this idea years ago, and I said, boy, smoke. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around the smoke cocktails. And mm-hmm. I went in there for the first time, and I saw it being done, and somebody I was with did it, had been there before. So, all right, this is how it's done. I'm like, ah, I'm not so sure. I just get me a PBR. You know, I'll, I'll keep it simple here. <laughs> right. And then good choice, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I, I just I was watching it, and I'm watching all these people and how they're enjoying it. I gave it a shot. It is different. It is. You're looking for an experience. You're looking for something different. Again, when we get open back up, Roca will certainly provide that with you and doing a great job right now on their carryout. But Roca. Always a fun place. You're looking for something a little bit different on Court Avenue. That is certainly the place. You know, Trent, in this, well, when did I turn 18? So, when did I turn 18? 76, 77. Okay. Uh, and so we go to Grand Forks. One side of Grand Forks is North Dakota. The other side's Minneapolis, and the, and the drinking age changes. Okay. So, and I don't think I was probably old enough to drink on either side of it, but we got down there, and they, they really, they weren't too strict back then. Sure. But PBR was the one beer. That was my... I have to try a Pabst because my old man, my dad, uh, I miss him dearly. Um, you'd always buy Miller, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, Miller, makes Miller, sense. And our bar was all Miller High Life, that type of thing. But I don't know why, but PBR, PBR was, was the, the one. was the one I couldn't wait, and um, I'm glad I did. And then we had the Iowa Restaurant Association on Jessica, who's going to join us to start the segment on Tuesday because we didn't give her enough time. Mm-hmm. Some alarming numbers, folks. Some alarming numbers as to the plight that these restaurants. I know a lot of people are going through tough times, uh, but the restaurant industry as a whole. And one of the stats that the Iowa Restaurant Association put out there is of all the people that are employed in the state of Iowa in that industry, some 45% of them won't have jobs in this industry once the green light is uh, turned on. Support these businesses, support these people if you can. We know the sports radio demographic, it does skew a little bit higher, a little bit more disposable income. If you're able to help out these restaurants, keep them alive, keep them afloat during this time, and uh, and we will continue to build our way back up. And if you have a restaurant, you have a buddy that runs a restaurant, whatever it may be, contact us, Show at gmail.com. You can hit me up, trentcondon at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook that way. Send me a private message, and we will get you up and running. Restaurant Radio, Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right, uh, Ryan Condon, <laughs> or Trent Pace. Tread pace. <laughs> what do you uh, what What do you want when your Bears get the pick tonight? And will they make both picks in the second round, or do they trade one? I think they trade one, but I think they stay in the second. Stay in I the think second, they're going to trade back? that second. Yeah, mm-hmm. I personally, I hope Xavier McKinney oh, is yeah. sitting there, the safety yep. from Alabama. They need help at the other safety position. I'm really a big fan of him, so that is who I'm hopeful for. So we'll say it's there, and uh, we'll go at 43. With Xavier McKinney, with the other Be a good choice, pick if you can get him, Trent. At fifty, they need help on the other side of Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Gross Matos. I don't think he'll be there. No, I don't either. But it, oh man, I mean, salivating at yeah. the thought. This is a guy. I don't know. Just watching football, watching NFL football too. Mm-hmm. How this guy doesn't translate to a first round pick, I don't get it.
It, it might be it's depth, Trent. Yeah, you know, Alex Halstead made a great point um, when it came to Hakeem Butler. He left the right year. Oh, don't! I, would, I mean, yes. look at those receivers. Yeah. Look at the receivers that are still available. I mean, he might still been. We don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but we do know where he was picked last year. And of course, he had a um, a redshirt year, if you will, for his freshman, his freshman, his rookie campaign. As uh, he was shelved due to injury. That's going to do it for the week for Miller and Condon. Thank you for being here. Hope you come back next week. We're 10 to noon every Monday through Friday. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, KXNO Saturday morning pregame tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Morning Rush will start it on Monday at 6. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy the last dance. We'll talk about it Monday on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.